sound it. Walked into all styles. Kyle drives in. Unbelievable hit. Oh! Mountain has clung. Cody Grundy just put it through. You Do you like the sound of that? Australian football has a brand new home on Sirius XM. Aussie Football Rules America with Eddie Maguire. Shuey's got it in extra time. Drive it back to the top of the square. Norton will fly. Keep the goal and Fremantle win it after the siren. With unparalleled access to the AFL's greatest champions and most famous fans. Needs to score. He has kicked the goal. Lightning strikes twice. What's he doing? Security's got to get out of the way. Get out of the way, pal. Coming to you from the home of Australian rules football in Melbourne, Australia. He's the most connected man in Aussie rules. Broadcaster, media icon, club president. Here's Eddie Maguire. Hello everybody, welcome to Aussie Footy Rules America. I'm Eddie Maguire, Brian Taylor alongside me as always on Sirius XM, Dan Patrick, Radio Channel 211. Our last show of 2020 as Australia comes out of its COVID hibernation. The grand final has been run and done and congratulations to the Richmond Football Club on making it three wins out of the last four years. A team that for 37 years just couldn't get anywhere near the finals suddenly has become a powerhouse in the AFL competition. Congratulations to their president, who was our guest last week, Peggy O'Neill, uh, to Damien Hardwick, their, cap- uh, their, their coach, rather, their captain, Trent Koch, and their superstar in Dustin Martin, and Brennan Gale, their chief executive officer. Fantastic year for the Richmond Football Club. Ham- lots of ups and downs in their journey. But when it came to the crunch, they were the team that were the last team standing. Brian Taylor, an old Tiger from way back, as well as a Collingwood champion, called the match on Channel 7 right around Australia to record ratings with the first night grand final and the first game ever played outside of Victoria, as far as the grand final is concerned. Welcome, Brian, and congratulations on, on an amazing call, mate. Good on you, Ed. This is what I wanted to say at the end of the call. A season full of uncertainty where everything changed. The ending somehow stayed the same. At Jello and Black, Richmond go back to back, Ed. That's uh, that's it. 2017, 2019, and now 2020. It really is a Tiger dynasty. I mean, this has been a successful club in the 60s, 70s, and the 20s as well. And yeah. they thought they had great success then. Boy, it's brilliant now. And luckily, uh, Collingwood knocked them over in that uh, 2018 preliminary final, which meant they didn't get the four in a row, of course, which is the record of the Collingwood Football Club. And uh, talking of the 20s, uh, Brian, that's uh, the opportunity for Collingwood to come back in and win four in a row. So we'll look forward to that in the future. That's uh, if we're looking back like that. i tell you what, though, it was a fantastic grand final. Uh, The game itself, Geelong had plenty of opportunities and a couple of minutes before halftime, leading by 22 points, Two shots at goal, one from Tui, one from Brian Myers, missed. Both should have been kicked, or at least one of them should have gone through. Had they got that goal, it would have made a big difference. Of course, it goes up the other end, and Dustin Martin started, once he got his boots right, changing them half a dozen times, flexed his muscles, and away he went. That goal just before halftime, I think, Ed, you've pointed it out, the most crucial goal and those two misses prior. So Martin, at the 24-minute mark of the second quarter, just minute before halftime, puts them just 15 points down. Could have been 28 the other way. So it was a yeah. big moment in the game. And it was all, all the Tigers in the third quarter where Rewalt and Martin were able to get going. But it, all in all, I reckon it was a pretty good game of football. The Tigers were just, you know, I think everyone felt that they were a tougher, more physical side. And you know what? In the end, that's the way it proved. But there were lots of other storylines, weren't there? 
Yeah, we'll get into those. Let's have a listen to the highlights of the 2020 Australian Football League Grand Final. Shut up! The foot is on the radio! Good bounce, gets the Grand Final underway. In Cape Dangerfield, smashing through, took a big body ablet, his first touch, and he's grabbed his shoulder, Gazza. Gazza's oh, a no. bit sore behind play. Oh, Austin oh, looks knocked it. out, Dangerfield got him, and Ablett's got his shoulder really, really sore. Oh, Rioli slick handle out to Graham. Chance for Prestia for the first goal of the Grand Final. Dion Prestia has got it. Cam Guthrie, all Australian. Has he got the trip? Yes, he has. First goal of the Cats. It's Duncan. Slides that one home. That is a big moment. Sam Minigola has to convert. And that is going through. Oh, they've got this one by the pill bag in the minute. The Cats. Yes, Selwood's got it to Hawkins, and the Cats have kicked five unanswered goals. And it's a 22-point margin in the grand final all of a sudden. Long ball, top of the square. It's worked to the front. Dustin Martin, the fend-off, and he has kicked a goal. Rewalt tries to slap it on. Martin picked it up. Dusty with it outside of the boot. Bouncing towards goal. Yes. Oh, you champ. And the Tigers are in front. High ball forward. Lynch has got out the back. And he will kick a goal from point-blank range. Lambert, Martin just walked through a tackle. Open goal square. No Bouncing. Oh, There's your third, Norm Smith. <laughs> it's there. He's going to win three. Back inside 50. Revolt. Well, that's the game. Jack Revolt kicked a goal. They are celebrating the yellow and black. Here comes Dusty. He's shaping up for a fourth goal. No the way. No. He's got no. the Tigers, their third premiership in four years, one of the great teams, Dustin Martin celebrates, Trent Cotchin becomes the only Tiger captain of three premierships and they deserve all their success at the Gabba on this historic night, the first ever night grand final and it's the Tigers who are the champions. So Richmond wins the 2020 AFL Grand Final. Dustin Martin, for the third time in their three wins, is adjudged the Norm Smith medalist as best on ground, and he was convincing in winning it too, Brian. Unbelievable performance from Dustin Martin. When the game was there to be won, he won it. He kicked miraculous goals. He uh, was able to get the ball out of the centre. He stopped the influence of the Geelong Football Club. He just dominated the Grand Final yet again. Yeah, he was brilliant and uh, and and really st- stood stood alone, I guess, in terms of that brilliance on the day. There were a couple of other little stories. Uh, uh, Pickett, Marlon Pickett, Ed, two premierships in just 20 games of football. So for those in America, two Super Bowls in just 20 games. And, and, the, and the, key po- the key point there, Brian, is, of course, that he came out of jail, uh, has four yeah. children, uh, is a mature age recruit and only played his first game in last year's grand final, having been best on ground in the grand final of the reserves some five or six days earlier. So, in fact, you can actually make it three premierships in 21 yeah. games, if you like, and uh, just one of the remarkable stories of redemption in Australian football. And brought another one, Ed, three premierships in 70 games. That's a record for all eras. So they had, uh, Richmond had 152 Premiership players before the weekend. They only added one because only Noah Bolter, number 21, watch out for him. He was the only one that hadn't had success and added a premiership medallion to his uh, to his neck. And of course, people thought when Alex Rance 
the All-Australian full-back of the Richmond Football Club when he decided to go off to become a, uh, a pastor in the Church of uh, Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints as a Mormon, uh, that that was the end of it, that he was uh, gone and that was the end of Richmond. Well, lo, lo and behold, a miracle happened yeah. and Noah Bolter was that miracle. This is the first time in Australia that we've had a night grand final, Ed. Would yeah. you say that was a raving success? I think it was a massive success. It was everything that you knew it was going to be, Brian, and that is uh, the day game, which has always been at the MCG, is a special day and we love it. And if it was a day game for the rest of our lives, I wouldn't care. If you want to have the number one rating show in the country, you have it at night time because that's what prime time is all about. Is it about getting the TV money in? Of course it is, especially when we're going to have to rebuild the finances of the AFL and the 18 clubs. And also with a, uh, the players wanting to keep the money coming in rather than take a pay cut. Does it also mean that more people get to watch it? Yes, it does, especially in the developing states of New South Wales and into Queensland. It is a big issue that we have to actually put the broadcast on when people want to see it. So going head-to-head with the other major code, the National Rugby League, what happens? Australian Rules Football beats it by close to a million people. And that is a wow. big, you know, that's, that's close to 30% uh, ratings. Uh, just it was an annihilation. So straight away, Australian Rules Football, as Brian, I have railed and predicted for many years goes to number one as the most vibrant and the most expensive television offering in this country so something certainly to talk about there and uh, a lot of things that we need to have a discussion about in pretty short order one of the other big stories of grand final day was the retirement of one of the greatest players of all time it's unbelievable. Gil McLaughlin, the chief executive officer of the AFL, went through his many accomplishments and laughed at the end and said, and you know what? He's the greatest player of all time, but possibly maybe not the greatest player in his family. Was his dad better? Who knows? <laughs> Gary Ablett Sr., but this was the farewell to Gary Ablett Jr. Okay, the Cats by four points is Gary Ablett Jr. is one of the four to change warming up. Yeah, I remember my, uh, my first game very clearly. I think being drafted, uh, my, my goal was to, to play a senior game and, and my dream had always been to, to play at the top. Young Gary Ablett Jr. is playing in a forward pocket. Mark Johnson, his opponent. Wobbles a kick forward and Mooney in front. Oh, Mark, Gary Ablett. Handball over the top. Ablett from the forward pocket area. Ablett goes the goal and Gary Ablett is... I think the first couple of years, you know, you start to question... Good enough to play at the top level and I think early days for me there's obviously a lot of talk around you know was I drafted because of my my ability or was I drafted because of because of my name and it probably took me two or three years to really start to believe that I was good enough to play at the top level. Adler gets through he can do plenty books of back how about that come at the moment come at the moment it's one of the greatest uh, to ever play the game you just have to look at his highlights real See how good he is. Pretty special player and pretty special career. Oh, Gaza is blown. You'd have to say like his old man in the square. Here comes Gaza. Now's your moment. Gaza hits the 50, unloads from 51, shut the gate, close the door, Ablett kicks another one. Ablett marks just out of 50. Oh, takes on the man on the mark with Ross. Oh, yes. What a goal from the little master. Gaza from 50, chips it on the wind, crowd. 
does it. Look at him. What a champion of the game he is. Now there's passages of play that he still does it at the age of 35 that uh, none of us can do. Ablett emerged with the ball. Boulder gave chase. He's lightning quick. Beautiful handball from Ablett to Dangerfield. Danger kicks the goal. Oh, Ablett, you genius. Hand pass to Gaz. He goes from 40 and slots it home. I declare the winner of the 2009 Brownlow medal. The 2013 Brownlow medal. Oh, the Rolls Royce. Gary Ablett. One of the game's greatest ever. Wow, what a career. Gary Ablett Jr. has retired. 356 games, 445 goals, two premierships, two Brownlows, five MVPs, eight All-Australians, six best and fairest, and three premierships as well. That's an amazing career, Ed. Yeah, very much so, Brian. And uh, don't forget, there was probably another Brownlow on the way until he injured his shoulder when he was at the uh, Gold Coast Suns. So he's done it all in the game, and what I thought was just a magnificent tribute was both teams lining up to uh, say farewell. Richmond Football Club showing tremendous class to stop their uh, premiership celebrations, to line up to say goodbye to one of the greatest players in the history of the game, and and clearly the greatest name in the history of the game, you'd have to say, Gary Ablett, because there's two of them, senior and junior, and both of them unbelievable how do you uh, tip it in the end as far as the players are concerned? I think it's a, a, a no-brainer. I think Gary Ablett Jr. was by far the uh, better team player of the two Ablets. And as a result of that, Dad didn't win too many best and Ferris. Uh, he didn't win any premierships and he didn't win any Brownlows. Not that that matters so much. He was mercurial. He was unbelievable. He was probably, I think these days, he would be an even better player with the coaching and the lifestyle around him. But I think at the end of the day, you have to give Gary Ablett Jr. another accolade, don't you? I think he's probably, yeah. I think he is the best player in the family. Longevity, Ed, for Gary Ablett Jr. Consistency, as you pointed out, all of that, he was much better. In terms of uh, thrilling moments in his career, his dad was much more capable of um, thrilling the crowd, I guess. Yeah, but if you want someone things, to play, yeah. yeah, if you're playing for the team, then you want Gary Ablett Jr. because he's going to be more of a contributor on a more consistent basis for you. Good on you, mate. Congratulations to the Richmond Tigers who defeated Geelong to win the 2020 AFL Grand Final. Hey, everybody. This is Fran Freshella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. Each week, we chat with the players, coaches, and executives who have helped grow the game of basketball around the world, like Toronto Raptors championship-winning coach Nick Nurse. I, I always say this. I, I, I don't know why I picked this number, Fran, but I always say the X and O stuff's about 15% of the job. It really yeah. is. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app or wherever you get your podcasts. G'day, Angus. Ah, thanks. Thanks, Eddie. Angus, uh, it, it has been a, a long time love affair with the city of Melbourne for such a, a, an amazing period of time, hasn't it? It has. You know? I mean, in our early years, we've done a lot of uh, gigging in and around Melbourne and, uh, and all the way through Victoria, actually. We did a lot of... You know, that was part of our... Uh, I think at the time, you know, because, you know, at that that stage and in, in that era, you know, that was where, you know, you went because, you know, that was where a lot of the work was, you know, a lot of the, you know, clubs and, you know, pubs and, you know, whatever whatever was available, it was down there in, in your world down there in Victoria. 
you were the happening vibe of the day. I remember used to, we used to do, uh, yeah, the Broadmeadows Town Hall, we used to do all the uh, drive-in theatres, as we said, uh, everyone's school at one stage. It was unbelievable. Rosemary's got a story about her partner who uh, won an Angus Young cap. Um, everyone's got a story. Angus, I don't know if you're ever aware of this, but uh, a couple of years ago, as we're going into the AFL Grand Final this week, they called for the national anthem to be played at the MCG. Have a listen to this. This is what happened. Would you now please join with the players and the umpires as we stand for the Australian National Anthem. Yeah, well, there you go. That's what I call true taste. <laughs> they got that one right. Yeah? Yeah, they did. It was the only time that everyone actually stood up for the National Anthem. When I was a kid in, in, in school, you know, and when the National Anthem came on, we always got, they got some kid that, that, you know, he had, you know, the bifocals on behind the piano and it, and it used to, instead of coming out like advanced Australia Fair, it used to end up coming out on this rinky dink piano sounding like Monty Python's flying bird. And everyone would be kind of going, oh yeah. <laughs> well, I reckon and we got that every I reckon it was the only time ever that all Australians might have known the words to a national anthem had they kept going. <laughs> well, hey, that was only yeah, a little bit of a revenge for all those school years of hearing that rinky-dinky thing going on. I, I love the fact that you guys are out of Glasgow. Not to, you know, you've got, we've seen Barnsley come through and talk about all these stories of being out of Glasgow and coming through South Australia. You came through Villawood, of course, up in New South Wales and the Nissan Huts. It was tough times for everybody in those days. But you guys caught the the, the zeitgeist of the time, the the skinheads and the sharpies and and the tough boys around all those uh, those working class suburbs of Australia. But then took it to new heights. Can you t- can you tell me what was it like when you broke through in America, Angus? With, as you said, you were pub ready, you were stage ready, but you also had that real vibe around you. Yeah, well, all of all of what we had done, you know, I, I think served us really well, you know. I mean, uh, you know, we, I think, you know, as a band, you know, we were, all, we were always pretty tight, you know, together as people. We all kept together. I mean, we were one band that didn't have, you know, even when we, we would go into, like, uh, gigs in America, you, you would see five or six dressing rooms and uh, with us we only needed one because we were a band and we all went in the one dressing room you know so we all hung together but any other band you ever saw they all had like you know single dressing rooms and they're all kind of split up as like it you know as stars as they all kind of thought you know with us it was you know we all kept kept out you know kept our roots and everything, and we were always sitting there, you know, having, having a good giggle and stuff before, you know, we even would even hit the stage, you know. We always had a fair bit of camaraderie going on. Now, Angus, I, I've read somewhere recently, I think you're a non-drinker, but I can't imagine the parties that you've been asked to go to and get involved in. How have you possibly stayed on the straight and narrow amongst all of that? Yeah, well, I was lucky because the people who next to me <laughs> did all the partying for me, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, but it, I, hey, for me, it was always, you know, you know well, Bob Scott used to always say, hey, I, you know, I drink just to get to Angus's level, 
<laughs> Good, great natural uh, stuff, no doubt about that. Hey, uh, Angus, uh, take us through the, the band coming back in, in such fine fiddle, but also a great lineup. Uh, you know, for a while there, you had different, uh, different players coming through the lineup, but to get Brian Johnson back after the problems he had with his ears, to get Phil Rudd back on the drums after he had some personal issues to get through as well, and to have Cliff Williams and, and your, your nephew Stevie, of course, uh, on the rhythm guitar and you at the front. Uh, this just feels like a really authentic reunion of, of some really great ACDC pedigree. Yeah, it has been good, you know, uh, and I think it's uh, it's probably been, you know, for, for, for us, you know, it was good because Brian had kept us informed, you know. Uh, he'd been working out with specialists, hearing people, hearing uh, stuff in the US. And... Uh, he was having a lot of, uh, you know, he was always, you know, you know, letting us know that he was having a lot of great results with the, you know, these people he was working with. And so uh, he himself was uh, going through and testing it in different environments. So every, you know, he was happy about, uh, you know, the way uh, uh, this uh, new thing, you know, technology that they had put together for him. And so he was happy to, you know, and really eager, you know, I didn't, as he said, you know, I didn't have to ask him twice to be there, you know, to do this album. So, and Cliff had always said, to, you know, uh, had said to me at the end of the last tour that we had been, and he said, uh, I said, do you want me to contact you if I'm going to do anything? And he said, yeah, contact me, you know, and I said, uh, you know, and you can see then, uh, you know, if you want to do it or, or not do it, there'll be no pressure. And uh, so, you know, we contacted him and he was, you know, yeah, I'm on board. And uh, Phil, you know, I'd, I'd uh, talked to Phil and also seen him a few times and he was in great shape. He'd got, you know, he'd got himself, uh, you know, a lot of help. And, uh, but he himself was, in, you know, you know, Ready, he, he he said, "Yeah, I'll be there with bells on." So, and man, of course, my nephew, you know, you know, filling in and doing Mal's role, you know. So that was, uh, you know, everyone was, you know, excited about doing it. So that was, you know, the the pre- pretty much, uh, you know, easy to, uh, you know, put together. Now, Angus, I I understand you you spend a lot of time in the Netherlands after marrying a local from that part of the world, but does ACDC have a big presence over there like it does in Australia and the States? Yeah, um, yeah. Well, actually, I'm not really that much in the Netherlands, you know. I go there, you know, if, 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 if my wife wants to see her family and stuff, but I'm not really there that long. You know, I spend more time here, actually, you know. Anytime I've, you know, that I've got, you know, you know, spare time, you know, and, and enough time, I, I make the beeline for here. Because this is what I know. Australia is, is what I know. And, you know, I mean, sometimes I never got there for a few years because of what, you know, touring and, you know, you know doing albums and stuff. So, but uh, if I get, you know, the free time, I'm here, you know. Well, it's been a great, uh, great combination. The, the I like my, you know, I like beaches, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in, the, in other words, yeah. you don't get back to Glasgow too often then. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah well, if you do, it's, it's yeah, well, Glasgow's got its own kind of weather pattern going on. <laughs> More indoor at the bar than anything else there. <laughs> Angus, we, we broke the story back in January that you guys, there was a chance that you were going to come out with a new album and hopefully a tour. I suppose in this COVID-19 world, who knows what's going to happen next. But uh, is that the plan that if life comes back to normal, you'll get back on the road again and we may see you back out here with this amazing lineup? Yeah, well... I can say this, before the pandemic, we were trying to get the album out earlier. So we were actually geared up for the album to be coming out earlier. And then uh, we'd even, uh, because as I said, Brian was happy with that technology, we'd actually been rehearsing. And then uh, we'd done a few weeks of that rehearsing and stuff. And uh, we, we were just gonna have a break for a little bit and then we were gonna get back together. And uh, when everyone got home, you know, the various spots, it wasn't long after that that, uh, you know, this pandemic thing came about. So uh, hopefully as soon as, the, you, know, you know, we get the old clear sign, we can, uh, you know, maybe get out there and, you know, thread the, uh, you know, do some, you know, thread the, the stage again and do some uh, live stuff. Well, I'd love to see you. If it drags on any longer, though, uh, Angus, wouldn't it be great to... Uh... We'd, I'm going to put in a early bid next year, the 2021 Grand Final. It comes back to the MCG that ACDC does one last lap of, of Melbourne on the back of a flatbed truck down Swanson Street into the MCG. Wouldn't that be something? That would just lift the MCG like it's never been lifted before. But uh, it would be sensational. Maybe we can come into jailbreak it. <laughs> oh, that would be magnificent. And Angus, I can't help but think that uh, amongst the amazing musicianship uh, the great connection with the audience, all the uh, you know, controversy over the years, manufactured or otherwise from people, there's always been that sense of humour and a nod and a wink to the audience that everyone's in on the same gag as you guys and that's what's brought everybody together to this very day. That's right. You've got to, you know, uh, for people, you know, you know, you, you know, people have got to know that, you know, that uh, I think sometimes, you know, people can go, take it all so serious. For us, it's always been a, you know, the thing that kept us going even as a band a lot was just humour, just having a bit of fun. Thanks, Angus. Good on you, mate. That is Angus Young. You couldn't get more Melbourne in grand final week than having Angus Young from ACDC. Thanks, Angus. Well, what an honour to speak to the legendary Angus Young right here on Sirius XM. Dan Patrick, Radio 211, Aussie Footy Rules America. As we mentioned, ACDC's new album, Power Up, is released around the world on November 13, ACDC's amazing 17th album. So good luck, Angus, and thanks for spending time with us. Hey, everyone, this is Lisa Ann. I hope you've been enjoying my podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. Each week, I'm bringing you great interviews with some of the funniest, coolest, and most interesting people I know, like one of my favorite co-workers, Eric Everhard. You know, it was like, okay, you, you got to come up with a name. Yeah. Right? You need to have alliteration, like, you know, Janet Jameson. And then he just blurted out, he goes, Eric Everhard. Episodes are available every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app and wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, Steve, welcome to the show. What were your first thoughts on Richmond's great win and uh, the way that Francis Jackson was able to put that amazing list together? Yeah, um, obviously Francis has done a wonderful job, but uh, what a what a dynasty, really! It uh, three grand finals in four years. Um, you know, it, it's it's a wonderful effort, and 
you know, I, I sort of try to go back and look at those teams that have had dynasties where they've won, you know, three three premierships in a row. You look at the, the team Brisbane put to get together in the early uh, 2000s and then you go back to the Hawthorns and, and Essendons and Carlton's. This team is probably, uh, in terms of talent-wise, if you stack it up against those teams and, and you look at the individual talent, it probably doesn't have the individual talent those teams have. But in terms of a team performance, it is the best team um, that I've seen in, in, in my lifetime, the way they combine, they look after each other, the way they work for each other. That club has done a wonderful, wonderful job and full credit to Damien Hardwick in, in the way he's coached that football club. Yeah, and they've got plenty of horsepower still left in them too. As, as you say, they've been able to uh, fill up gaps and play and adjust and coach and train to the talent that they have. Now, Steve, uh, you, uh, of course, uh, know what it's like to win a premiership. What does it mean to a player? What does it mean to the club? What is it like when you come off that ground and you've got the premiership medallion around your neck? I mean, if you're a football fanatic, a fan, and someone who always wanted to play football, I mean, to win the grand final is the ultimate. And um, for Richmond to to win it three times, is uh, out of three times in four years, is a wonderful result. Um, but as a player, um, you know, you dream about it. And um, I know my first premiership that I won in 87, it was just a massive relief. Um, There's obviously a huge build-up. And I, I guess it would have been a bit different for the Tigers this year and um, being up in the hub and, and being away from home um, for so long. But um, as a player, there's obviously, as the final series goes deeper and deeper, teams... Um, obviously fall out and the focus becomes so greater. And that's the thing about a grand final is that when people view a grand final, um, there's so much more pressure on the players. Everyone sees all the good stuff, but they also see all, all, all the negative stuff as well. They see your mistakes, they see your deficiencies. So grand final day is such a huge day in many ways for the players because they all want to do well and they obviously want to win. So when you do win, and particularly if you're able to put in a fairly good performance, it's, it's a massive relief. Yeah, and you see but, that you're like superheroes, no doubt about it. But then, after the game, Brian, when it's all said and done and a few beers go in, you also see that they're silly boys and they're just having a lot of fun and it's the great memories of life. And I remember, Soss, you might remember this, I was a young reporter and I came down to Norton's Hotel in Carlton in 1987, and Stephen Kernahan, everyone was just standing at the front of the pub, drinking pots, having a great time, laughing, and uh, great camaraderie. And uh, I asked him, is, was there something that he'd like to say to the camera? And uh, as I held the microphone, he broke into this very famous rendition of this particular country and western song. Sometimes it's hard to be a woman Stand by your man And tell the world you love him Baby, stand by your man <laughs> Was that the whole interview, Ed? Was that uh, the that entire was a, interview? That was what went, that was what went to air, Brian. Anyway, because what you didn't uh, you couldn't see obviously was at that stage he poured the remnants of his pot of beer on his head and threw it up into the air. Uh, at which time there was great hilarity from everyone around the place. Now I put that to air once on Channel Ten News back in those days, and I kept the tape. And a bloke called David Barham, who was a producer at Channel Ten, I think he went through my 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 drawers and uh, knocked off a few tapes and things, and suddenly it reappeared. 
And uh, I don't think uh, Steve actually saw it because uh, he was a long way into the afternoon by the time that went to air. <laughs> but some 10 years later, it resurfaced. And, of course, it drives him insane now, doesn't it, Sos? Yes, uh, I'm sure uh, he does get asked that, uh, the, the, uh, the question every time about... Uh, about singing that song, and uh, but look, it's it's legendary now. I think Ed, uh, it's brought up pretty much every every grand final time. And um, you know, I'm not too sure Sticks has got the best voice in the world, <laughs> but he certainly remembered for that uh, that that uh, that single he sang out. We're speaking to Stephen Silvani, fullback of the century, two-time premiership player. And so I was going to just ask you, the Monday, it was always in the old days, and I think it's still the same, not this year because everyone's in the hub still, but you, you play the game, you're exhausted on the Saturday night, and you go there for the club. Sunday, you turn up for the supporters, and Monday becomes the day for the players. In fact, then, for the next six months, you own the town. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say, Ed. Uh, yes, the uh, the Monday is a, a pretty special day um, after winning the grand final. I know Carl, we, we used to go down the road uh, at a hotel called or a pub called uh, Norton's and pretty much took control of that uh, hotel. And, and, and obviously, when you win a grand final, um, I think people come from all over the country really to be part of that day. So it is a special day. It's it's a day you you let your hair down and um, lots of laughter and, and and lots of celebrations. What do you say, uh, Steve, to the guys that have built the team? We mentioned Francis Jackson before. You have been in the team list building um, job as well over your career. You've done a great job. To build a team, you're expecting to just get you know one premiership. But when you ultimately end like Richmond have with a dynasty. How how satisfying and how difficult is that? What oh, look, do you hope for? Yeah, oh, look, it's you know it's interesting. Um, BT is that building the team isn't done over one or two years or one or two draft periods. I mean, if you go back to when they, you know, when they did select Dustin Martin and they they got Cochin through the door, and even go back to Alex Rands, who who's missed out on playing in two grand finals, which you know when when Alex Rands went down. There's no way in the world would I have thought Richmond would have won another two grand finals because he just seemed to be such an important player and a great player at that. And they've done it without him. But this list have been put together um, methodically over the last probably 10 years, you know, and, and what they've been able to add in the last sort of probably four or five years as well. And you look at the list, but you also look at the development. And I, I think that's really important because you can bring players into, the, on, uh, into a football club and onto your list but the development of players is so, so important. And what they've got at Richmond at the moment, they've got a winning formula. They've obviously got the right people in the right places. And, um, you know, when, when you see um, a player like Short win the, their, best, their best and fairest, you know, um, mm. it's, it's a phenomenal effort. And, you know, and what they've got at that football club, um, they've got the right formula. And congratulations to, to you know, to, to everyone involved. So you've won, they've won three of the last four. You were in a team at Carlton, which I thought was probably one of the one of also the best teams, had great camaraderie as well. What's the danger now for Richmond going forward? One, three or four, what can bring it all undone for them? Oh, look, do they want to go to the top of the mountain again? Because it's hard. It's, it's very hard to, you know, because every team each week is out to beat the premiers and, and you know, they're the, the benchmark. So they really don't get any easy games and, you know, um, and to win three out of the last four and, and, and really be really competitive in the one they didn't win, um, the year they didn't win, it's it's a grind. 
But having said that, I, I think they've got a bit of advantage going forward is that um, with the COVID situation and the way things are at the moment, uh, I believe that most clubs aren't going back to training until after January. So this is a team that's gone, obviously, the last week of the season this year, and they've come back like everyone else probably around the 6th of January. So these clubs are playing catch-up. And usually the clubs that have missed out on finals start probably four to five weeks ahead of the premiership team. Now, it's going to be very difficult for those teams that haven't gone deep into the finals to play catch-up, to actually work on a new system, bring new plays through the door. They're starting at the exact same time as the, as the premiership team, which is Richmond. So I see Richmond and, and Geelong and these clubs having a massive advantage to the teams that have missed the finals this year. Well, Stephen, yeah, thanks very much, mate, for, for giving us an insight into what's going on at the moment. Of course, the trading is on and everybody's looking for that little bit of nugget of gold somewhere. And, of course, we'll have our draft period coming up. So uh, hope springs eternal for everybody who didn't quite get there, but this year's belonged to the Richmond Football Club. Hey, Steve, thanks for being part of our show. Aussie Footy Thank Rules you, America Lockie. here on Sirius XM. Scott Greenstein is your great friend who's the CEO of Sirius XM. He's a mad Carlton supporter. He's got a Carlton jumper hanging in his office. I did send him a Collingwood one just to balance things up, just so that he, he actually knew what was really well, going on. That's the doormat. That's the uh, don't, don't even say that. Don't even joke. Right? Don't even joke. All right? Um, so it's been great having you, mate. And, uh, you know, we look forward to catching up with you next year as well on Sirius XM. Good luck, mate, and have a great Thank summer. Thank you. Hey everyone, this is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host, Kirk Morrison. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. This year, Eddie Maguire and Brian Taylor have brought Australian rules football to America with the help of a few friends. He is the biggest man in the competition. Mason, welcome to Sirius XM. Thanks for having me on, boys. Jai Courtney. How are you, Eddie? Thanks for having me. Great man himself, Paul Hogan, joins us. Hey, Eddie. How are you, son? Joining us from the bubble at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida, from the Utah Jazz, Joe Ingalls. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Getting it all done, Charlie Dixon from Port Adelaide Football Club. Thanks for having me. What an honour it is to welcome the man who is the CEO of the AFL, Bill McLaughlin. Thanks for having me. Christian Petrarca, the superstar of the Melbourne Football Club, joins us. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you, BP. Thank you. The sensational Severio Rocker. There we go. Andrew Bogut, great to have you on Aussie Football Rules America. No worries. Matthew Delavadova told us how he explains our Game. The first thing I usually say is we don't wear pads. <laughs> <laughs> and Russell Crowe gave us an idea on how to sell Aussie rules to the States. If you sell it to the smart kids in the room, Eddie, AFL goes great in America, you know, because it is a tactical game. It is a game that requires incredible skill and dexterity. You can see the moves of basketball in it. You can see so many areas of athletic prowess required by the players. We did meet our new biggest fan. Pat McAfee, yes. he's joining us here on Aussie Footy Rules America. So what about the commentary when you hear someone like Eddie McGuire commentating on a game of footy and he's got the ball up in the air and they go to the side and they sidewinder up there and here they go. The big men fly and hits the deck and off they go. Kick around the corner. Oh, it's ah, a goal! Ah. Are you thinking? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> no, I love it. To be honest, it's like 
it's like horse racing. And for me, it was like I was riding the wave. And I think that's what the sport is. It gets like mesmerizing almost because you're just like following the ball, following the action. And then the commentator is riding the wave of the game as well. Unlike Pat, who has picked a team. Go Pies. Hey, here we go. Here we go, Pies. Hugh Jackman seems to like them all. So then you became a, a West Coast Eagles supporter, which is that's fair enough. <laughs> Now, I've also got photos of you uh, with a North Melbourne jumper. I've got photos with you with Port Adelaide. Uh, Sonia, is there a team that you haven't sort of joined at once? Well, there is one team. I know, my team, Collingwood, but uh, I won't take that personally. But at some stage, you're going to have Not to mate. get a hold of yourself and become a member of a, a particular side. Is there some someone that's grabbed you? It's it's now it's now the Sydney Swans, and I know every every Melbourneite A is going to hate me for that alone. But the fact I've jumped from team to team, you missed one in there. I remember one year, my first year in Melbourne, I met Stan Al, and he was coaching St Kilda at the time, and he invited me to a game. And so for about five weeks, I was the St Kilda. Supporter. And when it comes to the big names in our game, Eddie Maguire may have shared pizza with Jamie Foxx. And I know that doesn't make sense right off. But when you eat pizza, you don't say, I'm eating pizza from Italy. No, you just eat the pizza, and that's what we're trying to be. Oh, 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 cute! Oh, cute! And St Kilda champion Nick Rewalt may have given us a good lesson for new stars. So we rolled on into King Street, we fronted up at the Spy Lounge, we pulled out our IDs, we made sure the people at the front door knew we were footballers, we got our drink cards, bang, in we go. We're having high fives, drink cards again, two nights in a row. How good is this? Monday morning, get to training. I got a message, Brian Waldron, who was the CEO at the time, wants to see you in his office, so up I go. Didn't even have an opportunity to sit down in his office, and Brian Waldron says to me, did we waste the number one draft pick on a party boy? Oh! <laughs> it was the Eagles' Nick Natanui who really took partying to another level. And it's LA, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and, mate, and you're getting around having beers with LeBron and, uh, and, and Drake, is that right? Yeah, New Year's. I think um, the way it fell out, all the, all the Australian blokes that I know that play, in the, you know, play basketball and whatnot, we're in LA for you know, the week around New Year's and whatnot, so... Was able to catch up with them, and oh, as you know, they've all got their connections, and one party turned into the next. And, and next bit, you're drinking with your sports science guy in the hotel, and next thing you know, you're partying with Drake. So it was. Um... But if there's one thing that we have learnt, it's not to sit near Carlton champion Steve Silvani. The, the plane didn't take off, Ed, and uh, fair to say there might have been a few sherbets the night before. Right. And all of a sudden, the air conditioning was down because we're sitting on the tarmac. Soss um, renowned for his flatulence, so uh, might have let one let oh, one go. Come on, come on. And uh, the uh, hostess ran down to, to see what was wrong and backtracked very quickly. I'm not Ed, the, best, the, Ed, the best line was the guy sitting behind, because obviously no one knew. They thought it might have been a serious problem. Was God damn, what sort of a dead animal is that? And, uh, <laughs> I'm sweating. I'm sweating. Seriously. It brought the maintenance bloke onto the plane. We've we'll got a blockage. They've announced it over the PA. <laughs> See, we've just got a little issue down back. I'm not worried about an explosion of gas. I'm like, three rows back. Some blokes call that 
What type of animal would be that? <laughs> 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 oh, oh, and the air hostess is walking down, right? And she's come down and it's hit her like if she's run straight into it. She's done a back step and gone the other way. <laughs> and it's still hanging. It was that bad. <laughs> There we go. Aussie culture rules America. Uh, And there it goes, Brian. Doesn't matter how big the name, doesn't how serious the sport is, a fart joke will get you laughing every time. Let's be honest about it. Absolutely. It always comes down to a fart joke, Ed, but I would have hated to have been on that plane, I can tell you. Hey, Brian, thanks for your company, uh, mate, through uh, our journey across America. It's been fantastic having our show. I'd like to thank everyone at Sirius to Andy King, the Director of Sports Programming, to Chris Tyler, our podcast producer, and a token Aussie at Sirius, good on you, Chris, and to Scott Greenstein, who is the President of Sirius XM. He is the man. He is a man who's got great vision. He pulled this show together. He asked us to be involved. He loves Australian Rules Football, and as a result of that, we're able to get Australian Rules Football back onto ESPN as well as onto Fox in America, and his uh, services to our great game. Uh, have not been forgotten this year. So thank you, Scott. We really appreciate everything you did and gave Brian and I the opportunity to talk to Australian expats in America, but more importantly to American uh, sports fans who discovered our great game.